If there's ever a time to take a detour, it's when you see a superstar. It's the Kimology 411 Superstar segment, where Kim introduces you to awesome people and their amazing stories. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our latest superstar guest, along with our very own superstar, Kim Scholes. Hi everyone and welcome to another excursion on Kimology 411. Now tonight we did a simulcast with Tyson's, um, I believe he calls it the Scales of Truth. That's his podcast. And so he called up and he was all nerding out about all these statistics for the state of Kansas. And so we recorded this on 7-8 of 2020. So if you want to take a listen to um, the podcast, you're going you're gonna to geek out with a bunch of numbers. And if you get lost, <laughs> I got lost. So you will not be the only one. But take some time and listen and see the real data of what's going on. So I'm going to pass it over and hand it over to my co-host, Tyson Harley. Welcome, everybody. Tyson Harley, along with Kim Schultz on This Is Exciting, Kim. Go ahead and give me your excitement. woo Okay, this is interesting because <laughs> it is, if you will, our first, I got to call it simulcast between the scales of truth and Kimology 411 because it was one of these things where I wanted to talk about it and had a reason for this data kind of boil up inside me. And you know how sometimes oh, I have to goodness. just, oh, he's like, oh no, data boiling up inside <laughs> This could be bad. But anyway, what we're going to do is make this an excursion on Chemology 411 and what, what, make it a total episode on the scales of truth since it has a trademark Tyson details and stuff like that. Oh, and well, go ahead, Kim. I'm saying there's no possible way I could have nerded out like this. Like, this is a lot of information. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank <Wow>. you, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so, I, I, it's a compliment, but wow. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, though. It's, it, it's good information. And what this is about, it is an, uh, a COVID excursion slash the scales of truth. The last two scales of truth has been about COVID and really deep dive. So if you're listening on Chemology and have not gone over to scales of truth ever, really good deep dives the last two, if I do say so myself. I gotta say the last one was absolutely hyper detailed. The one before that was more just philosophy and feelings and things I think I had up and I can't remember maybe it was just as detailed I just have didn't have the, the the notes but regardless both of those last two have been very much about COVID and diving into the details and this one is too and what spurred it is that we are now recording on the 6th of July and what's going on is that COVID numbers are up and so we've got to do something Right. So did the patented deep dive. And of course, it's not really true. What's really true, most likely, and this is one of the few numbers I haven't absolutely delved into, but I've, I've come very close, is that we just have more testing. So I can tell you this in Kansas, I did look up the mortality and it's reported by week. And no recent week is above four. No recent week is above four deaths. A. B. More than one week is at, or most weeks, are at one or two deaths per week. 
And when I looked, how long ago was it, Kim? Probably a month. And I said the median age of death in Kansas is uh, 80. 80, All yeah. Right? 80. And so I said, well, maybe with, you know, if the death spike, which they really didn't, they're, the biggest spikes were still back in April on death. So I imagine your state's going to be similar. It's probably going to be that uh, the mortality spiked in April. And yes, you have more cases now. And now it's moving the goalposts. Let's talk about cases, but not recent deaths. And on that real quick, before I get into this uh, deep dive, one thing I wanted to look up, I said before on both scales of truth and on chemology that I really expected that the life expectancy when this median age people were born was much lower than this median age of death for COVID, which means it must not be very fatal, right? So four months ago or so, the median age of death in Kansas from COVID was 80. With the recent added numbers, it's now 79, but still right up in that direction. And you probably saw, Kim, that I put up on on um, the internet that I looked up life expectancy for someone who was born. I, I was going to try to go to 1940-ish or someone who's 79. Of course, that didn't quite work. Why? Because it's not easy to find from a particular year. So I found from 1950. So we're actually talking someone who's nine years younger than that. So remember, life expectancy is based on how old you're probably going to be. This is the year where 50% of people born that year fall on one side and then 50% fall on the other side with the sides being whether you're alive or not by then. 50-50 chance that by that time you've made it. And so if you're born in 1950, which would make you instead of 79, only 70 this year, only 70, then life expectancy at the time, if you're a black male, was only 59.1. Thus, you would be expected to die around 2009. That's 20 years younger than the average Kansas COVID death. If you're a black female, a little bit older, 62.9, Thus, 50% expected to die in, uh, by 2013, 16 years younger than the average Kansas COVID death. The white males born in 1950, so again, we're not even talking 1941, we're talking 1950, so probably life expectancy was even, even uh, shorter then, and because they were born nine years earlier, you know, there'd be that much further past their, uh, you know, life expectancy date. White males, 66 and a half, thus expected, those people born in 1950 expected to live only to 2016, 12 and a half years younger than the average Kansas COVID death. And even for white females, which are the top, you guys rock. I know. Well, I mean, we're healthy. Yeah. (laughs) 72.2. So almost six years older than a white male, but even so, by 2022, those um, 50% of those people born in 1950 would be expected uh, to die. At 72.2, that's still six and a half years younger than the average COVID death, Kansas COVID death. So that just tells you, again, now what, what do we bring up? Well, the average, even, this is, this is the weird part, when we looked up the average life expectancy of someone born in 2000 in the United States, it was like 774 so even for someone who is only hitting 20 this year, they're not supposed to live, only half of them are supposed to live past uh, or, or would get up to the average, the median COVID death. Think about that. And the other thing is that uh, we looked and there has been 
what did you see when I when I split out the hold up just a second I'm sorry when I split out the uh, different ages and at 56 percent of all the deaths 55 56 in Kansas were 74 or 75 and up and yet the the occasion is that we want to have our mask ordinance now I don't think I said that early Kim you got to stop us the occasion we are mm -hmm. The occasion we are looking at is that there was a mask order that is in play and a lot of counties are deciding whether to follow the governor's insistence. She tried right. to do a mandate and executive order and it really wasn't applicable, uh, correct? Right. Isn't that? So, so uh, when this first started, our governor had that power, which was the emergency declaration stuff she could do what she wanted and she only had so long to do it then the legislature came back and they voted and they kind of stripped her of a little bit of the power and they basically said you can do the mandates but that each county can individually lessen or make it more strict which really makes absolutely no sense to me as why the governor felt she needed to step in when all the counties were already doing their phases and then all of a sudden she freaks everybody out, which yeah. we all know the only reason that that even happened was so she could be on NPR and all these news stations because she's not going to get any attention if she doesn't do something drastic. And so by by basically making a worthless mandate, because she can't tell the counties what to do, they have to accept it or not accept it. And what I thought was going to happen is maybe our county would have a brain, but um, two of them did not. And two of them made it... it they gave us, um, starting Thursday, we have to wear masks inside everywhere. And if outside, if you can't social distance, and they're actually thinking that they're going to fine you $2,500. Yeah, That's more than a DUI. You could go get a DUI. And it's, it's, it's cheaper to do that. It's, it's absolutely stupid. You, you know, what's crazy to me about that is that uh, the, basically the limitation, this is just thinking off the top of my head, this is not research-based, is, is that, well, it's definitely not criminal. You couldn't call this criminal. But in reality, that's a stronger civil fine. I'd rather go spend a night in jail right. you know, than have up to, you know, uh, up to $2,500 fine just for not wearing a mask. Well, and I don't even know who's going to be giving out these tickets because, I mean, like, then she, then they were saying they're going to give out the tickets, but then it's going to be up to a judge. Yeah, it is. Considering that it's not constitutional, like, there's no law out there. There's nothing that's keeping you from doing this. These are mandates that are being set up really quick by different people. And there, I already have a couple of attorneys that, are, um, that study this law that said all you need to do is send us your tickets and we will defend you for free that's how big this is getting because Good. they know they know with the lawsuits that they're going to be involved in they're gonna make so much money off of this I hope so and the other I mean, thing too is money 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 when you say that the governor to me from what you said I did not heavily research this but based on how easily it was flip-flopped after she was going to issue an executive order. I think from the very beginning, she knew she had no authority, yeah. but she still wanted to give some influence. And that influence is a bluff from what did I say very early on 
when you make such a long-term drastic decision instead of having a chance to be flexible, at least a lot of political animals like governors are going to then want to validate that decision, you know, because at first, and so to me, it was part of that. And so what she, she didn't have the ability to do it, but yet because of it, some counties are doing more than they would otherwise do. They would not have looked at this data, which is really about more testing and said, Oh, well, we got it. We got to ratchet it up. Um, They would not have done that. So, what I did as I was hoping to appeal to these county commissioners is come up with uh, some some information. And so what this what's going to happen is this is going to be applicable. The same type of thing is going to be applicable for your state. But I want to add, I was hoping to uh, you know get some data before we did this, but I didn't want to hold us up uh, as to how applicable it is to say the range of states, say from high to low. New York is going to be an anomaly. There's just something else going on there. There has been from the very beginning. But it's going to be a range that's going to be very similar for other states. And up front, I want to tell you the summary is that by my logic, and it's as good as we can do because I'd be curious what other states are doing. Are they doing population studies? Remember all those population studies that I said some people did early and then they and then we didn't get one in Kansas, and they found some decent percentage of, of the population is probably infected, even six months, six months, six weeks, and two months ago. So we've never done one. So unfortunately, it's left to our own devices as to whether how, inf- you know, how, infect- how far spread this disease has been. But that's kind of all we can do. And because our leaders aren't doing it, they're trying to say every case is newsworthy. I, I mean, yeah. the, the sports media is useless. Every single person that gets it, regardless of symptoms or regardless of yeah. if they have any problems whatsoever, it's a news story. Every time you get some breakout in a restaurant, it's a news story. If, it's, if it happens at a local food manufacturer, it's a news story, not a death, a, 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 just a case. Yeah. And so how are we getting, we talked about this a lot, to the denominator of the formula so that we understand mortality rate because that was the whole reason that we started this to begin with. Oh, it's supposed to be much more deadly than flu, much more deadly, right? So how do we get to that mortality rate if we don't understand the level of infection? And that's what I've got here. Uh, So what we have for the numerator in Kansas, okay, first Kansas case, March 7th, it's going to be similar to a lot of other states, at least toward the middle of the country, March 7th. So it is now July 6th. It's been four months. The numerator of that mortality rate formula is just deaths, confirmed cases, right? And then it's over total infected, not total population, total infected. If you get this, how likely are you to die? Remember that the flu is around 0.1%. So about one out of every 1,000 people that get the flu die from it, right? So remember that as a backdrop. Well, in Kansas, only 277 deaths. Right up front, 277 deaths in four months from the flu. I mean, excuse me, from COVID. For this supposedly incredibly deadly disease. I know some of you guys are going to have to stick with me. Like, yeah, but we've done social distancing. I mean, you can think that, but still, did right. you think did you think coming in that it would be 277 
after four months. I mean, the concern would be that it would be 10,000 in, in Kansas, right? Not, not 277. So let me go through this. I, first a summary, and then I'll get into the citation. I shared this email with you so you could, you could jump in, Kim. I am, yeah. For the CDC, the flu killed an estimated 24,000 to 62,000 over just six months with the CDC only measuring to April 4th for some reason. Don't know why that is. So the Kansas share of this is from 210 to 543 deaths. Okay. Now that's a six month ratio. It is true. But still 210 deaths to 543 deaths. That's the flu, something we have vaccines for. And so far, four months, so two-thirds as long. But remember, this is a pretty wide estimate, right? It's almost, the, the high end's almost three times low end. COVID, 277. Flu, 210 to 543. Is that or is that not exactly in the range? It's right. exactly in the range. Kitty Kitty's making noise behind me. I have a new cat. Aww. I don't, know. I don't yeah. know if you heard that or not. So, 277 deaths versus a flu that we have a vaccine for that's 210 to 543 deaths. This is easy. All you got to do is take the ratio of the population of Kansas versus the United States, right? 2.9 million divided by 3.31 million, then take it times the, the low end of deaths, which is 24,000 nationwide, you get 210. You take it times the high end of deaths. Um, 62,000, you get 543. And remember, those deaths from COVID even included, you can go look on the KDHE website, Kansas Department of Health and Environment, adding mere probable ones. Right. Right? And it's yet still entirely in the range and even the lower range of the seasonal flu from just this very last season. I didn't pick an especially deadly flu season. And, of course, the aside is, why did they stop counting on April 4th? Usually, they don't stop yeah. counting uh, flu until mid-May, sometimes even June. So, it's yeah. interesting that less than three and a half weeks or so, three weeks after everything just went rabid around, uh, around COVID, that we decide we don't need to count flu anymore, even though we don't have testing and they would present similarly, especially among older people who die from it, right? Right. So, that's... That, go ahead and, and, and discuss that generally because I realize I have the wrong email pulled up as far as details. So, so one, thing, one thing that um, always gets me is, yeah, especially with the flu, when we've had flu deaths in the past, first of all, they're not talked about. That's not in the media. They don't really talk too much about our flu deaths. But what they don't, what I've never heard them say is these people died from the flu, but they had underlying circumstances, which is probably also true. Like, it's probably also true. I mean, it's if you're looking at the, like a normal flu death, just the flu with this, the um, A or B influenza A or B or H1N1, or anything like that. I bet if we were to stop and take a look at those deaths, it would have the same criteria as the ones we have now, where there probably was something underlying that the flu was just part of that death. Because the flu is basically just a cold and it's just a respiratory infection. And so I, I 
it, it's just weird to me that they're acting like this is all brand new. Like, okay, so this COVID, not to say, not to freak you out, but if you are, you know, older or you have underlying cases, you could die. Well, isn't that like from anything you get sick of? I mean, you could get the chicken pox and die from the chicken pox because you had something else wrong with you. Then they say with COVID, well, it's leaving you with permanent damage. Okay, is it new damage or is it damage that was already there and that it just kind of went up? Because you know yeah. what else you get? When you get cancer and you go through chemotherapy, your body gets a little bit destroyed, but you don't complain about it. You take the radiation of the chemotherapy knowing that this is an illness that our body has and that we could have something that after we're done, maybe is affected. But why is it such a big deal with COVID? Well, and I'll tell you, um, part of it is, is, is overstudied. If, if, if COVID is leaving other little scars and things like that, then a lot of other things do. Let's be honest. It's yeah. just that it's not studied as much, to your point. So what, uh, what it is, is uh, find the email that starts details-mortality rate, not improperly figured. But uh, a little, it starts with your meeting now. I could not get this out in time. I had the wrong one. I, 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 I replied to that. So you can find that, but I'll, but I'll start. I say, below I prove that even with massive safety margin built into the numbers and more on the ground numbers in the doctor, this is, just think every county has some doctor that's supposedly all about this. They're basically the, the technocrat around this. So I say more on the ground numbers than the doctor is giving you. The mortality rate is not high, so should not warrant unprecedented central controls of the economy. Weighing their, weighing their personal risk is a decision that individual Shawnee County citizens can and should be allowed to do on their own. So the summary is this. I said mortality rate, what we said, equals total deaths divided by total infected. There are 277 dead in Kansas from COVID and a very, and you're, you'll understand why, this is what I want to cover this, very conservative estimate of infections in Kansas deliberately having, you know, splitting in half the conservative numbers I otherwise arrived at gets you 174,000 infected in Kansas. Now that sounds crazy because that's not but a tiny fraction of even New York City. So I want you to even think of that. 2.9 million, supposedly four months in, a highly infectious disease only, only gets to 174,000. I don't care how much social distancing you had unless you lock people up. That seems really low to begin with. Anyway, we're going, we're going with that, 174,000 with easy arguments that is much, much higher than that. So you take the number 277 over 174, um, 174,000, you get 0. 0.001592. What were those numbers we were talking about when we did all those population studies we talked? It was down in that range. It was around yep. one-tenth of 1%. One now, yep. remember, it's, it's not at one-tenth of 1%. One it's point. 0.15%, so 50% over that. But remember, I just told you I have the very conservative numbers, right? And there's an easy argument that instead of the 174,000, it's 246, even, even considering that I have to. That brings the mortality to point what? 0.001124, which is precisely in the range of a flu or a bad flu season, right? Um, and even that, can be considered quite possibly, or maybe even probably, a very high mortality rate. And this is what I want to go over. Remember, again, the seasonal flu is usually pegged at about 0.1%. Now, what I just tell you, at, at the high end, 0.1592. At the low end, 
0.1124. Both of those are percents. So right, right in that range. So the, the proof is this. First, proof for the numerator. Easy, right? 277. We know it's a solid number because we're a lot more likely to count deaths than we are who knows whether somebody got it because they didn't come in because they, it wasn't that bad. In fact, we know there's a lot of asymptomatic, right? So numerator, a lot easier to count, except that even it could be high, right? Because we have the probable aspect. So remember, this includes deaths not only confirmed, but unconfirmed, but probable. And I ask, at the average age of death of 79, then how is it probable when you don't confirm it when this disease otherwise mimics other respiratory illnesses that could kill someone near the end of their life. I mean, for example, do right. not 79-year-olds near end of life die of the flu? Of course well, they do. Yeah, so and they always you... get pneumonia and stuff like that. So I wouldn't mean... it be just possibly? Not probably. So how, 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 do you, how do you, if you didn't get a confirmed case and they die of basically a, a respiratory illness. So anyway, point is, 277 is as solid as we get as far as we're not undercounting, right? We still may be overcounting, but we're not undercounting. So now the denominator. I said 174 to 246, 500 with arguments that it's much larger. Now, again, we haven't done a population study. I'm going to cover at the end of this because I, I briefly showed them some of those population studies you and I talked about in, in L.A. County in New oh. York State, so on and so forth. Yeah, Remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, um, I do. So we will review those. But um, for some reason, even though it has cost even little old Kansas, with just this less than 3 million people, untold billions in economic damage, we have not decided among our leadership to come up with, what, 100, 200,000, a million, 2 million, to do a flipping population study to understand that denominator. So we're left to our own devices, but that said, I think we can get at least a pretty good basis for it, and it's gonna be around flu. Now, did I just say that COVID was the same as flu? No, no, I did not. <laughs> did not say it was the same as uh, flu. However, I'm telling you for the reasons we will discuss, it's a good basis to understand whether what that denominator might be, since we have to guess at it, because it's so important that we don't bother to do a population study. So. Per CDC data, the regular flu infected from 12 to 17% of the U.S. in approximately six months. So six months. Six months. I'm holding this up, but I just, I just put up seven. Right. <laughs> I put up seven, seven instead of six on the camera because we're Zoom. So anyway, six months, 12 to 17% of the population. Go, go look this up on the CDC flu burden estimate. Just Google CDC flu burden estimate, and you'll see through April 4th, they said 39 to 56 million people got the flu. That's out of 331 million. That's how I get the 12 to 17%. So, and then again, they killed an estimated, uh, flu killed an estimated 24 to 62,000. So that thing that I already told you, that's a range of 210 to 543 deaths. And we only have 277 from Kansas, in Kansas thus far from COVID. So these percentages of 12 to 17% for the reasons I will lay out are a pretty good estimate of what the spread of COVID is now. Unfortunately, we got a guess, but I, no one else coming up with a better number. They're trying to use confirmed cases as, as a denominator, which is of course hogwash because we already know there's a bunch of asymptomatic. They, they threw that down our throat as a reason to feel guilty about walking around, right? right? 
So yeah. we know there's a lot of asymptomatic. So how can it possibly be that the confirmed cases are the denominators? They are not. By the way, some smart, I told you, I, I almost told a person that they needed to go back to beauty school, school and leave the thinking to me. But I said, I didn't. I did not. You did not. And the reason is she came up with a, a percentage that was allegedly alarmingly high with the denominator only being 16,000, the confirmed cases only. Uh, come on. Do, do you, hello? Hello? It's not 16,000. It's certainly not 16,000. It's probably not twice that. It's probably not only five times that. So to back this up, that is the six-month flu estimate a pretty good estimate? Well, first, the length of time the virus has been here is in the general range of that six-month flu estimate. Now, bear with me. At the most, it's been up to 5.5 or six months or longer. This is a U.S., true, but I want to start with that. Even the CDC, if you look, says uh, it started in the U.S. in January or early February, with the earliest non-travel related case being mid-February. The person became ill on 2.13. It was confirmed on 2.26. The first travel related case was on 1.15, which means, I don't even know why they split it, but I guess it's it's a distinction. That person was potentially spreading it by then in the continental United States on 115. We're almost to six months of that now, you know, just short of six months. Um, and it was, so that's where I get the five and a half to six months or longer. And on the low end, it has definitely been in Kansas for almost four months and probably measurably longer, right? The first confirmed case was March 7th or on July 6th. And as with any disease, that allows some to be asymptomatic or not to exhibit serious conditions that would prompt them to visit healthcare. This is likely not the very first case, right? But but merely the first detected case for the same reason we've been saying, right? If, yeah. if, it, if it doesn't, and, and plus people didn't know to look for it, right? You look right. back and people are like, you know what? I did have a really bad flu uh, in, in early February. I wonder if that was it. Well, it could have been. Yeah, no one was looking been. for it yet. No one was looking for it. I'm not even sure tests were available at the time. So at the low end, four months, but really higher than that, right? Because the very first detected case was, was just one day short of four months ago. And it was likely not the first case. High end, five and a half, six months because of national data, right? Uh, so secondly, these time ranges are already in the range of the CDC estimate for the flu, give or take, right? I mean, I just told you, see, the flu already estimates from 210 to over 600 or whatever it was. And so it's already a factor of three. That's how wide the guess has to be. So the fact that our, um, you know, a time range is, you know, five and a half versus six months, maybe, you know, because the flu estimate is based on six months of, of the season. It's not a big deal or even four, six, not necessarily a big deal. Right. But the spread factor, this is what we're going to talk about now. The spread factor. Do you remember reading about R.O.? R.O.? Yeah, I've seen it. So the thing is, if you looked up like early Vox videos, it'd be like, oh, we just don't want the healthcare system to be overtaken. And this is why it's not the same as the flu. And one reason is it spreads so much faster. And there was two, two things wrong with that. One, they also said that uh, you would be symptomatic. You, they acted as though you could give it for 12 days or 14 days before you even knew you had it which is a lie from the very beginning because 
really the average time to infection, even at that time, was known to be five, di- five days. So 12 days was an outside estimate. So they weren't comparing apples to apples when they're, they're uh, comparing it to the flu. But this RO spread factor was something that they said too, not so much a lie, uh, I probably shouldn't have said that, but th- here is how it's a factor here. So the spread factor, this RO, it's called R naught, you know, zero for naught. It's like how likely a person who inf- who is infected is to give it, how many people they're likely to give it to. Now it's based on conditions. And since we shut down, supposedly it would be lower, but still I want to compare apples to apples because it gets us in the range. So the RO, the spread factor is much higher for COVID than the flu. This further justifies using the flu infection estimates because yes, we're not quite the six months. Maybe we are, but you know, for, for one could argue we, we didn't make that six months. So it's improper to compare the flu season. But on the other hand, since the spread factor is so much bigger, then that brings it back into being a proper, if not conservative estimate to use six months. So the RO, the spread factor is much higher for COVID. You can find places where it's estimated from two to 2.5. All you gotta do is remember the relative numbers. So again, RO is how likely an infected person is to spread it to another person. And you can find something in April where they refigured it and said the RO is up to 5.7. So instead of two versus 2.5, 5.7. So if you get infected, you're likely to pass it to 5.7 people. Now this is versus 1.28 for the seasonal flu, 1.28. So two, and that doesn't sound like much. You go, well, 1.28, you know, what's that? Not even, but 50, 60% more than, Uh, I mean, two is only 50, 60% more than that. But remember, that's with every generation. The whole thing we've talked about more than once when we go, and you tell your friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. The picture gets bigger and bigger. It's an exponential growth, right? So just remember, estimated as low as two, this RO for COVID, and up to 5.7. Those are the numbers we're going to use to give us that range. And we're going to say versus approximately 1.28 for the seasonal flu. So... If we look at the difference between the two, this isn't very hard, really. You just say how many generations, how does it have a chance to, to spread? You just got to take the, um, you know, multiply one and divide it by multiplying the other and see what the difference is. Over only two spread generations, if you will, that's what I'm calling. I don't know, don't know that anybody calls it this, spread generations. How many times has had a chance to spread, right? So if over two spread generations, if you will, COVID is estimated to spread to two, almost 250% as many people as the flu. Just two generations. You give it to somebody, and then whoever you give it to also has a chance to give it to somebody. Over just two of these generations, already COVID is supposed to spread to nearly 250% as many people, 2.5 times as many people. The number is 2.44. So are these the numbers that they gave us initially? Is that what you're talking about right now? Well, I'm talking right now just using the RO uh, that is the minimum difference. This is the minimum difference. This is two times two over 1.28 times 1.28. Remember I said the low end is two, the high end is 5.7. So at that low end of the difference between them, even after two generations, 2.44 times as many people are supposedly getting COVID versus the flu. Now, if you did five spread generations using this minimum difference, just five, just five, 
COVID is estimated to spread to 9.3 times as many people as the flu. Just five generations. So at the, five, at the maximum difference in RO, so remember I said there was a two and there was up to a 5.7. Right. So now we're comparing 5.7 to 1.28. So the maximum difference. In two generations, just two, you get it, you spread it to somebody else, and then they, their chance to, to spread it to other people. Just two generations, COVID is supposedly 19.8 times as many people as the flu. 19.8 after two generations. Crazy, right? Yeah, now, that's after crazy. Over five generations, this is easy. You know, it's exponential. You can imagine just it just flies when it's that much different because 5.7 is, you know, over over four times as much as uh, 1.28, right? So over five generations, if you look at this maximum difference in RO, this 5.7 versus 1.28, 1,751 times as many people would get COVID as the flu. You think we're making up for the fact that we're only talking four months versus six months yet, or five and a half months versus six months? I think so. And the thing is, we've had a lot more than five spread generations since COVID made it into the U.S. and to Kansas, right? So what would a spread generation be? So in essence, it ought to be, well, when can I, how long am I able to spread it, right? So to me, that's in the range of, you know, ideally, once you're symptomatic, given that all that we know, you're smart enough to stay away from people, right? And then also, the 14 days, the 12 to 14 was the outside range. The median range was five days. So I'm saying the spread generation, I have not looked into this, but it's got to be around this. And you can tell me whether you think the logic is correct. The spread generation should be around the time it takes to, for symptoms to usually appear, and then maybe a little bit more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like that would be when you could spread it, right? So I'm saying five to 10 days, right? So if I double that to 10 days instead of five, so that I'm doing that to be conservative so we can say there's less, there's less space for generations, right? Less space, less time to spread it. Even if I say that these generations are 10 days rather than five, so you've only had a chance to tell your friend and then they've had a chance to tell their friends and that's only happened 10 total times. If one, if, it, for, if it's 10 days rather than five, it, since this whole thing started, since this whole thing started, then 12 generations have passed since the first confirmed case in Kansas, right? Because 3,720 to 7,520 equals 120 days, right? It's been about a third of a year, right? Yeah. Now, 12 generations means infection, uh, an infection spread 212 times as much as the flu. 212 times. So again, the whole reason for bringing this up is does it rationalize using at a bare minimum how much the, the uh, flu would infect people? And what am I saying? I'm saying, well, yes, we're a little bit short on time, but we more than make up for it with the alleged spread factor, right? So the 212 times as much as the flu over these 12 generations is using that minimum difference in contagiousness. Remember we had the two versus the 5.7? Yep. The minimum difference in the contagiousness 
means that COVID spreads 212 times as much as the flu. So the whole four-sixth is not exactly a big deal. You know, we've gone four. We've much more than covered that, even if we just use a minimum difference in spread factor. And wait, remember the 5.7 RO instead of the, two, instead of the 1.28? Or rather, the, instead of the two. So now if we compare 5.7 to flu 1.28, what do we get? We get that COVID is likely to spread to 60,800,000 times as many people as the flu. Now, of course, other factors come into this, and it doesn't actually get to that, right? It's like, it's like hitting terminal velocity when you jump out of an airplane. Other factors are happening. You don't just keep getting faster and faster. But at that top end of the RO difference, if we've had a chance for 12 generations of spread, 60,800,000 times as much as that of the flu. So I feel like I'm pretty really, really safe. Remember to make up for this, the fact that we only went four months, not six. You know, at, at the very least, you know, we went four months. It's probably more like six, like the flu, uh, you know, rate was, but um, the flu season that, they, that, that I'm referencing. But the very least is four, six. All I'd have to do is have 50% more spread, right, to make up for the fact that the one was only two-thirds. 50%. Instead, I've got 212 times as much to 60,800,000 times as much. So more than makes up for the fact that our season is not quite as long yet, if you even want to use that. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's overwhelming, right? Yeah, uh, if it anybody, is. If anybody says, well, I don't think it really makes up for it, I'm like, well, and then you do the math because I just did. I mean, again, if something is two-thirds as much, to make up for that, you just simply have to do it one and a half times more. I don't have one and a half times more. I have 212 times as much, up to 60 million times as much. Feel like it made up for it. Now, of course, some people are going to say, yeah, but was a spread factor accurate? Hey, then if that's true, then you're just going to have to, you know, admit that you were wrong in a lot of initial data, which I'd all be all about, actually. Right. And then you say, yeah, but we were closed. Yeah, come on, man. Do you really think you really think we shut down to an extent that you do? You, you knock down the RO factor, uh, you know, that much, you know, so it only because if, if you did, then once we opened up, we should have seen a true spike. Right. The RO factor should have gone back up again because it's based on, you know, how close the society is and so on. It is really based on the, the pure conditions of the society. But apples to apples and the um, environment being the same, then you could compare them. And so I'm saying that, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be lower because we closed, but apples to apples, it's so much different that it more than makes up for the fact that we, we semi-closed for a while and then closed less for a while, right? More than makes up for it. So yeah. to me, the low, so this is, again, get back to whether or not my uh, calculation of 0.1%, 0.15 for the one is, is valid. So remember that as the underlying, 0.15% on the high end. Okay, so using these generations and this RO factor, the low end of the above ratios for just above ratios for just five generations, you would say is a very, very conservative estimate, right? Um, now remember, I told you we probably have we certainly have room for much more than five generations. Would you agree? It's been it's been 120 days. Yeah. Do you think 
do you think it's been, do you think that flu generation is only 20, is, it takes a whole 22 days to spread it to the next person? No. Because that's what you'd have to have for it to yeah. only be five generations. Yeah, no. Um, so if we're saying it's only five generations, we're being very, very conservative. Also, because I'm using the minimum difference in the spread, right? I'm using two versus 1.2. Again, very, very conservative in both ends. So let's just use that. What was that? 9.8 times as many people are infected by COVID as the flu after five generations, 9.8. So let's just use that as act as though the difference in spread is minimal and only five generations have been able to pass and that the um, contagiousness is at the low end of everybody's estimates for it, right? And so we're gonna use that, remembering that we have other estimates of the RO being much, much higher, and remembering that we also know that, forget the four months, it could be five and a half to six months, so many, 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 many more generations, and remembering that the contagiousness is also in the ballpark of being much, much higher, which makes it, makes it an astronomical difference. But let's to be even more conservative. So instead of 9.8 times and all this, we're gonna take half the percentages of the flu spread over six months to figure the denominator for COVID, right? So, oh, first of all, that's, that's how we get to whether or not we think that the flu spread is valid. All that stuff I told you, um, you know, whether or not the, the spread factor makes up for the fact that maybe this season of COVID is a little shorter than, uh, than the flu season that we're citing. So do you think that we made up for that fact with that, uh, with that spread factor? I have absolutely no clue. No clue. I'm lost. So I don't, I don't, I mean, you're, you're saying numbers. I'm not understanding them. Like, I'm, okay. that, I mean, this is like way over my head of <laughs> what you're trying to say. Come on, like, accountant. I can talk money, but you're talking generations and percentages and one. So what I'm saying versus, is, what I'm saying is, were you, were you convinced when I told you that, yes, the flu season was shorter, but the spread factor more than made up for that fact. Yeah, I do believe I mean, that. Th that. That the COVID season was shorter than the flu season, uh, basically what we said. So we're going we're gonna to take that flu season, therefore, how infectious it was, how much it spread. But no, we're not. Just to be extra safe, we're going to split those percentages in half. So, so the amount of infection that the flu caused Instead of using that spread, we're going to split them in half, which now brings it totally out of the ballpark of what COVID should have spread to us by now, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, and so rather than 12 to 17% of the a population that were infected in six months by the flu, we're only going to use 6% and 8.5%. So applying that to Kansas we get our 174,000 to 246,500. That's how we get it. We, and so as you can see, it's a very, very conservative estimate. And that's how we get the mortality rate we gave earlier, 
approximately 0.11% to 0.15% mortality, exactly in the range of the flu. Now, so what weakness do you see as far as me being overly conservative in it? Do you find any place where you're like, you know what, you overstated this, and that's why you're, you know, you're, you're understating the uh, COVID mortality based on data. You find no. any reason to think that at all? No. Okay, and so we're at the 0.11% to 0.15%, but besides us making sense independently, after all, what they're trying to tell us has not matched our real world what's in front of us for how many months now? Three and a half, four months, right? It's yeah. not matched what's in front of us, what our eyeballs are seeing. It's no. not matched what your doctor... Uh, Naputi and your other Dr. Eric or wh whatever, the guy out in California, the guy in St. Louis has right. seen in front of him and has reported to him. It has not matched uh, any of it. It's never matched it. There's never been an overload except in a few places. The other hospitals have been empty. No, no one's, I, I don't mean to be crude, but no one's walking over corpses. It's, it's not happening. Right. It's well, not happening. And, and the hospitals are starting to fill up, but it's for all the people who were not allowed to go to the hospital for three months. They're overrunning the hospitals because the staff isn't back yet. And these people, they're having, they have their back surgeries and knee surgeries and all these different illnesses that a lot of people sat in their house and should have been in the hospital, but they didn't go because they were so scared that they would get the COVID that they stayed and suffered and now they're in the hospital and um, and being just, mandatorily tested, which is yeah. where the cases are coming from. Yeah, they're being tested and they're having, in order to get surgery, you have to be tested. And so every time they come up with a positive test, they don't even have symptoms. So they're asymptomatic, but they still count that test. Um, and then if they say, if they say, I don't believe that test and they take a second test, that's the second positive that they we don't it twice, correct. which is insane. We don't insane we, for public policy purposes. Yeah. Our, our numbers aren't by people. They're by, they're by positive tests. Yeah. It's insane. It's, it's crazy. insane. It's, it doesn't based make some on, sense. Based on the decisions that are being made, the fact that you the idea that you couldn't put another field that says whether it's a duplicate test or not is insane. It's, it's, insane. it's, it's, it's it um, is. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So, but besides that making sense independently as far as what's in front of us. And again, Hey, be careful of all the people we said it, vitamin C to vitamin yeah, D, get your sunshine, so on and so forth. Do it, get, get your immune system up. Nobody wants this, but this is a different decision. So remember this 12 to 17% of the population that I'm using and that I'm really having that to get to this, uh, even then at uh, the mortality is still in the range of the flu. This is totally in line with population studies that were responsibly done elsewhere. Remember that it was at least six weeks, weeks ago, probably eight or more that New York State said up to 21% of New York City is infected. Six to eight weeks ago. I just used six and a half, six and eight and a half percent. Six, eight weeks ago, they thought up to 21% of New York was infected. I know it's a different, it's a different creature, but it still tells you six to eight and a half may even be conservative, right? Because that was a long time ago. Many chances for the thing to spread since. For, at the same time, they said 14% of the entire state 
at least six weeks ago, probably eight or more of New York was infected using antibody testing. 4.1%. This is reported on 420. So that's, you know, at least a month, two months and a half. We're basically at two and a half months. 4.1% of Los Angeles County um, was, was allegedly infected by their, their estimates of, of antibody testing to understand population uh, infection. That was 28 to 50 times higher than confirmed cases. Now that ratio is not going to be as much now because more people are going to the hospital, to your point. There's mandatory testing once you get there, but it still gives you an idea. 4.1% two and a half months ago. How many spread generations have happened since? And I'm putting us at just six to eight and a half percent to get to my numbers. 424, April 24th. So again, coming up on two and a half months ago, not quite two and a half months, two and a third. Six percent of Dade County, it was estimated, was infected down in Miami. Santa Clara uh, reported on 417. So really these numbers, when I say report, it was for prior periods. It takes a little while to come up with the numbers and report it, right? 417, 2.49 to 4.16% of Santa Clara County up to, uh, was infected up to 85 times higher than confirmed cases. So all these are old and, and give you a sense of, okay, that six to eight and a half percent, that that's definitely in the very conservative range, and it could be much higher than that, which would make the denominator much higher, right? So these numbers that I've come to not only make sense as far as being ultra conservative, as we've, as, uh, we've just described, but it also makes sense and is in line with it uh, at least being the number, if it not being a higher denominator, with all these population studies have been done. Now, have you heard anything about antibody testing not being accurate? Uh, yeah. Okay. I've heard, I, so, ha, I, I have heard a lot of the testing's not accurate. But. Yeah, yeah. So remember when we heard uh, some uh, genius on the local level said, well, we don't want to do population studies because, you know, those antibody tests, uh, tests are really inaccurate. And what did I say? I said, well, it can't possibly be as inaccurate as a fact that you're not testing most people who have it, dummy. Right. Um, I didn't say dummy and the person wasn't in front of me, you know, I, I, I'm, <laughs> um, but so I want to cover that real quick, but antibody testing is not as accurate as PCR is, is if that's a social policy reason not to do this, to get some estimate of that denominator. The whole point is whether this is deadly or really serious or not. Now, if you can't get to that underlying number of mortality, then you don't know what the F you're talking about. Right. So, one, we already know a good number are asymptomatic. I mean, estimated easily at 50%. Would you not agree that you see this? I didn't cite but that you've seen articles that say up to 50% are asymptomatic or even higher. I, it'd be, I, I, chemology would say it's much higher, but yeah. yes. So, let, so let's say 50%. Yeah, so picking only confirmed cases at the very least misses at least half the cases, right? Yeah. Because some people are asymptomatic. They'd have no reason. I mean, some small percentage go in because they are going to be tested there, but overall, you know, they're in yeah. the right group and, you know, they're in a sports, they're in a, but overall, it's still going to be, close to half are not coming in just because they're asymptomatic. Why would you go in? In fact, you don't want to, many of them wouldn't want to go through the inconvenience. So that is therefore only 50% accurate. Is antibody testing only 50% accurate? If not, it more accurately helps determine infection rate than does confirmed cases, right? But as an aside, we've covered this before, but I'm telling you it's still a myth. 
even the asymptomatic are not as practically likely to spread on the virus. Right. Okay? This is this is not hard. It's really not. They act they they act like this is so easy and obvious, and it's not at all. Look up a f the phenomenon in general, and then viral load. Viral load means basically how much you took on at the time you got it, because based on how you got it, did you get off a surface, did you get it through the air, and then. They'll, they'll use this term viral load when they talk about, oh, some people got right through it, no problem, because it didn't take on very much. Remember right. when I said that if you're poisoned, the problem is immediately you have a lot of toxicity in your system. Your, your body can't deal with it all that much, but because this comes in in small amounts, your body has more of a chance to deal with it, right? Right. Um, well, and your immune system has a lot to do with it as well, because not oh, everybody gets as sick as other people. So your immune system could kick it. You wouldn't even ever know. And why would you get tested unless it's part of your job or it's required because you're going to have a surgery? You wouldn't even know. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to. This is, to me, it's kind of like uh, Angelina Jolie just uh, preemptively cutting her, you know, her breasts off just in right. case. It was, yeah. um, why would you... Why would you do that? Just why would you just wait and see? Because actually, most breast cancer is is slow moving, so you do have some time to at least make decisions. Right. Just take. Um, just take. Just watch out a little bit. But yeah. So, but the point is, is that the virus does not come in in mass quantities. We've said this before. There is little right. to expel at that time. It incubates in the body. That's where it grows. So yeah. those who end up not even having symptoms directly correlate to those that never get a large viral load building up in their system because either their system is so awesome or they got so little to begin with, it addressed the problem, no problem. Right. So the idea that everybody is just as likely to give this to somebody else on day one and day two as they are on day 12 is nonsense. It's nonsense. It's like me putting up a shield so that my my lottery money does not, you know, drown me. I don't drown it in my lottery money because I went and got the ticket on Wednesday. Okay, right. I, I don't need to do that. Okay, I don't need to do that because the likelihood of me winning the lottery is still very, very low. So this idea that on day one you're really giving it to people has always been nonsense. You're not. It barely got to you. The only way that really happens is if you touch a surface and then you, that has it on it, and then you touch somebody else. All right, that's the only way. It's not getting into your system, incubating enough, or if you French kiss somebody, you know, something like that. Well, and it was funny because, you know, we're on July 6th, and on July 5th, news stations were talking about the increase of positive tests after the 4th of July. <laughs> Didn't you just say you saw an article or you hadn't got a chance to read about this? Not as easy. Uh, that's a slight aside, but uh, just to say that it's out there or something about it not spreading anywhere near as easy speaking. Yeah. Of yeah. I do. I have a new, I have, a, I have to watch it, but so, yeah, it was so to me, yeah. you know, like I said, you know what? I wouldn't have any problem with that because it still says in your initial data is wrong and I'm all for right. that, but I'm using their own numbers. And if your initial data is wrong, then again, the whole idea was that, oh, it's going to be so much worse than the flu. Well, first of all, real life doesn't show us that. So no. if now but, you're going to be willing to admit that RO factor is nowhere near as high, I'm willing to listen to that. But for now, I'm using their numbers because they haven't totally backed off on it to make a good comparison in my opinion. Right. Although I think Labor Day statistics for COVID uh, deaths are about to come out 
and it's a little early, but <laughs> I missed that. Like Halloween was horrible. We haven't had it yet, but <laughs> I always get Memorial Day and Labor Day mixed up at first, and then I remember M for May. May I'm, I'm for good. May. Memorial May. And L is Labor Day is the last holiday of the summer. Ooh, Ooh. good one. So that that quick aside that those without symptoms or before symptoms do not yet experience the main way the virus would slough off into the environment. They're not coughing yet. So yes, can you give it off early before it's incubated to any period? You can. The odds are incredibly small. It really is right before you're symptomatic. And if you never even get symptomatic, you never so much as cough, you never had very much to give off at all. So this idea that asymptomatic or just killing grandma has always been wrong. But um, back to this idea of the antibody testing, because we are talking about a good number asymptomatic. So is it still like, well, why would you do do, uh, antibody testing? It's not as accurate as PCR. Well, because we need population studies, okay? Because how else are you going to get there? if you just use confirmed cases. And remember, PCR is the down the nasopharyngeal, it's up your nose, and what it does is give you active infection. It's supposed to be very, very accurate for active infection. Antibody says, did you ever had it? Did you ever have it? So there's an idea out there that, well, population studies need antibody testing because you may have had it a month and a half ago, you can't just count the active cases to understand mortality because if you survived it, you survived it, right? Um, and besides the asymptomatic, we know that a large percentage have mild symptoms, right? And it's got to be some decent percentage. I mean, if there's a lot of people who are asymptomatic and say 50% or more, then a pretty good more, further percentage are, are have mild symptoms, correct? Yep. And uh, for me, some decent percentage undergoing mild symptoms uh, are going to wait it out and just stay home or stay away from people, right? It's like, yeah, I'm yeah. coughing, but I don't want to go to the doctor because that'll be a big deal. I'll just stay away from people. You know, people are working remote. If I started getting a cough right now, I wouldn't head to the doctor. I am working 100% remote. Ta-dang! Ta-dang. So, well, so. you know, the, 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 we're, we're humans and we have been taught, we have been taught that suck it up, go to work, you know, and so this is one more thing that we have to retrain people. And so we do have people who are that when they get sick, they're so used to, they just don't really, I mean, they're just kind of like, I feel kind of odd. Um, and they're still, and they're still they're going. Still maintain their they're distance. St- yeah. And, but they don't, but, but they're not paying attention to it. Like, like some people are OCD when it comes to this stuff. They are obsessed. I know people that, I mean, I think some people are like willing it upon to get it so they can say they got it. I, it's just really crazy to me. I mean, they're like bragging about, well, I've got the COVID. And I'm like, really? Would you put that out? Yeah, I got the chicken pox. And oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got this. Well, some people would. I just don't, you know, because some people are all yeah. about their latest, their latest affliction, unfortunately, and then they identify with it. So it, that's, reason- why I, that's why I don't trust. I don't trust. That's why you're supposed to social distance and stay away from yeah. people because that, that just stay back, wash your hands. But if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. There's no way of not getting something if it's meant to happen it's gonna happen well but quick aside what do we say the other day when you said you had an anecdotal that somebody at an event got it and i said here's the thing you and i know that what social policy should really be doing is saying the truth of the matter 
those who are most at risk by a vast degree are elderly and with co-conditions. If you're one of those people, be careful. Now they kind of say it, but yeah. on the other hand, they're acting like it's such a general blanket thing that those people are not as informed as you and I who are older, who have co-conditions. They're looking around at the world in general and they could be under, understating and, and, and misunderstanding the threat to them. Because they're going to be agree. like, they're going to be like me, and that's exactly what happened in 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 your story. In your story, right. it was that someone who really should have known better did not stay far away from somebody else, and they no. should have. I'm not saying he has it yet, right. but it's like, why did you undergo that risk at your age, dude? And 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 I totally agree with you. If if we would concentrate more on actually who it's for, and drill that into people and say, hey, this is very serious for you. But what we're doing is we're generalizing it. And we're saying, you know what? Everybody's going to do it. Well, when everybody does it, then you it, it waters it down because you know that, okay, well, if everybody has to do it, is it going to make me want to do it because let them do it for me. And then we're telling people you're wearing the mask for them. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for wearing the mask for me. I mean, you were not even, we're not even trying to get out the truth of this to yeah. show what's actually going on. We're just putting panic in everyone. Everybody has to do the same thing. And I've never, ever, ever seen where everybody nice. has it's to be all. quarantined. I, I don't, I, you're not it's, it's, sick. That's because it's never happened, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I know you know that. I'm just saying, yeah, I'm just, just saying that for emphasis. It's just, yeah, it's, 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 it's just shocking to me that this is even acceptable. And it doesn't even matter what happens because then when you say that, when you make a comment like this to somebody, they're just, and you're just like, only two people died. Oh, so you're okay with them dying? Um, no, I'm not. But, my friend died, my dad died, my other friend died. I've had three people die in the last two weeks, not from COVID. People die. And so wow. when, for this one thing, it's, it's like, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, cancer sucks. And we talk about cancer and you're like, your friend died of cancer and you know, it's lung cancer. By the way, guess what, guess, guess what's still not outlawed? Cancer causing agents, FDA approves them just fine. Um, we oh. discussed that in a previous scales of truth to the nth degree. Yes. But, uh, well, I know, mean, so you're, you, you have to, you have to be like, okay, so everyone's going to die, but we can't save everyone. And now you're going to make me, you're going to make me feel bad because one, two, how many have we had in, in our County? I don't know, like, but it's obviously it's some like small fraction of small, 277. It was small number. It was like 17 or less than that in, in our County. And for like, Three months, we two months, we didn't even have a death. And then it's just a little bit here and a little bit there. And some of them are being brought in because we have two major hospitals here. So yeah. you're talking, we have destroyed so many businesses, so many lives. And they go, yeah, well, you're that person. You just want to kill people. No, I, I don't. I don't want to kill yeah, people. I mean but what people are we trying to save and what people are we willing to sacrifice? And again- 
what's the median age of death? What's the median age? I keep going back to that, and I'm sorry, right. but it is what it is. At some point, when you measure a risk, you have to, and you see, oh, it's the median age isn't even younger than life expectancy. But didn't I mean, we that hear- has to be something to help you understand that. Didn't but, we see some place where it's like almost 50% of all deaths were in nursing homes? When, when yes, was that? Yes. Yes. That was, um, that, that was, we, we covered that uh, as uh, maybe an excursion. And I think we pulled some detail into it um, over on Chemology 411. And I may have covered it in Scales of Truth, but I think we just kind of turned it into an excursion and got right. pretty detailed on that, that in several states and even nationwide then because of maybe really bad state policies. Oh, wait a second. Um, doesn't that, it's almost like they don't care about deaths because they really screwed away the nursing home situation. Some right. people definitely died from those public policies that said, you guys got to return these, these uh, patients back to nursing homes and we'll even pay you to do it. So, but so back to the context of remember, Hey, but antibody testing is not as accurate as PCR. So first I said, right. well, that, no, because we have to figure the denominator somehow, or we're never going to get a mortality rate. If you just move the goalposts and say every single case matters, then that's not the. You never have done that historically with anything else ever. Every case, every positive thing, every every positive uh, a test result. So we already know there's a good number that are asymptomatic. Let's fifty say fifty percent. So uh, confirmed cases are not covering that at all. And we know right. that a large percentage are mild symptoms. So some decent percentage of those undergoing mild symptoms are going to wait it out. They're not going to be confirmed. So add to the 50% that are not even caught by asymptomatic, some number that also have mild symptoms. I'm going to say about half that. So I'm saying 75% at the very, 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 very least are not being confirmed. So between asymptomatic and mild symptoms, it's easy to estimate there's like 75% or more more of those infected do not get it confirmed. Is antibody testing much more likely to false indicate than to correctly indicate? You just said, okay, well, we don't do antibody testing for population studies because it's so inaccurate. Are you telling me right now that it only catches one in four or it's, you know, four to one inaccurate? Or is it at least like 70 or 80% accurate? It, there's no way they would allow an antibody test that was only, you know, 25% accurate or overcounted by a factor of four. In either direction, they wouldn't count that. So if it's not, if it doesn't falsely indicate much more than it correctly indicates, then it more accurately helps determine infection total than do confirmed cases. Right. If you really believe that there are only 16,000 confirmed cases in Kansas after, excuse me, 16,000 total cases. If you really think that the 16,000 confirmed cases in Kansas are the only cases, then I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you, man. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's got what would I say? It's a lot more than that. So, again, this is the idea of, oh, we should do population studies, but wait for it. I, I remember looking this up recently. Well, I, I shouldn't say I remember. I just did it in the last couple of days. But remember how I said many, many times, the PCR testing, the nasopharyngeal, the one they stick the swab way up there, the one that's supposed to show whether or not you're actively infected, that it was developed quickly, right? And 
but I read recently it was around all these athletes being quote uh, tested positive, and there was one golfer who said, "Well, I, you know, I tested positive, but then five days later I took two, and they both tested negative." And so I don't know why I just, you know, lost, you know, missed on a chance to potentially place and make another hundred to 200 to $500,000. I feel like I, I've missed an opportunity. So are these accurate or not? So you look into like business insider or some story like that and you'll see that they say, well, yes, but the thing is nasopharyngeal bases on a genetic profile. So it's much more accurate than antibody. Well, maybe usually, and, and I'm not saying it's not still more accurate because, again, we, we're, we're just talking about, yeah, but you still got to come up with a denominator somehow. And you can't use active tests, uh, you know, active cases for denominator because you're looking to see how many people survived it, how far it spread, not whether or not they have it currently. So, you know, that one said, well, you know, it's a lot more accurate. But then I looked and I said, you know what? I know I came up with something. I've been quoting it. You've heard me say it more than once that. I, I, look, I literally went to the FDA website, found, <laughs> found a booklet. I know I said literally. You got to use it correctly. I just, we, we use it correctly, just still too much. Right. <laughs> so I went to the FDA website, found a PDF booklet, and I said, well, geez, was that PCR or was that back when I didn't really understand the distinction between the two as well? Because stories weren't really bringing up the distinction well. And then I had to look into it and I understood it more. Sure enough, it was PCR testing. So while the business insider or somebody said, what they're talking about is usually PCR is very accurate. They said, we wouldn't take a PCR that was less than 95%. Right. Well, I went and found that very booklet and it said, it is nasopharyngeal. And they said, well, usually you can find it. I'll probably bring it up on, in another area that, well, we don't have the full genetic profile we usually would. So remember, they're like nasopharyngeal, more accurate. You got an exact genetic profile. It should be at least 95% accurate, much more accurate. But I found the specific booklet that is exactly in line with what I've already said. It was developed quickly, so probably it's less accurate. And it was PCR, it was not antibody. And it said, well, we don't have the proper genetic profile. So this is how we kind of, you know, cobbled it together. And it said, that one said, other, other members of the coronavirus family can make this test positive, all right? And two, bacterial infections can make a test positive. So just remember that this PCR may be accurate usually, but if that was one of the early booklets, then do you think they really pulled that one off the market or they just allowed them to keep using it? I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I just happened to delve into the one that was inaccurate. I don't know if that was just one manufacturer's. I'd have to go look at it. I didn't feel it was that specific. I figured there, I don't even know how many manufacturers there are, but there's certainly, you know, probably a half a dozen if I had to guess, if not more. And all of them are going to be a little bit different. But no, the nasopharyngeal is not 100% accurate. Uh, so yeah, bacteria, coronavirus. And so, you know, the PCR testing, when everybody's like, oh, well, you don't want to do antibody testing. First of all, you have to do antibody testing if you ever want to understand mortality rate. You've got to go there because PCR testing only catches active cases and confirm, which is only a fraction of the total cases. And confirmed cases, therefore, only capture a fraction of the total cases. Now, I don't know if those have been improved in the meantime, uh, those PCR tests, but I expect, like I said, if it was marketable and was being used in March and April, 
probably still being used. So that's my argument for the mortality rate really being, and I'm going to go back up to the top really quick and just, uh, we said all that stuff and the reasoning was A, we knew what the percentage of spread was over six months for the flu. We took a bunch of numbers and went conservative every single time, right? We knocked down, uh, we, we uh, um, knocked, excuse me, we did the minimal difference in spread to, um, to help make up for it, as opposed to the biggest difference in spread factor, which was much, much, much larger. We noticed that even though it was a six month count for the flu season, COVID has likely been in the U.S. close to that. Five, in fact, it has been in the U.S. for five and a half months. It was middle of January. So it's had a chance to spread. Now, granted, all the way to Kansas, not as much. But even in Kansas, it's been four months and really longer than that because that was the first confirmed case. So we said, how do we make up for the fact it's not quite at six months? We looked at the spread. We saw the spread difference was much, much different, especially over generations. It was a huge amount. When we saw those huge amounts, we still, instead of taking, say, 12 generations for it to spread, we only use five. Five is probably, five spread generations, probably only 25 days or 30 days. And it's been, you know, four months. So we used five um, to get to that. And it still saw that uh, COVID is over nine times, it will sp going to spread to nine times as many people as the flu. Therefore, that rationalized using those percentages that the flu gave us, 12 to 17% of the population being, being uh, infected. But wait, we didn't stop there. We took half of that. Instead of 12 to 17%, we went 6% to only 8.5%. When we use that for the denominator, we got as little as 174,000, yeah, Bridge in Brooklyn on sale now. Um, as far as <laughs> how, only 174,000, uh, 2,900,000 people. Allegedly, after four months, this highly contagious disease is only to 174,000 people out of 2.9 million with all the, the, the stories of you know, people working together and then partying together once it finally opened, only 174,000 out of 2,900,000, BS. At the high end, still very, very conservative, but using that 17% uh, of spread through the population for flu, but having it to eight and a half, um, 246,500 Kansas. When we use those two numbers, we got to, uh, the low end, only 0.001124. So basically one-tenth of 1%. One and again, using incredibly conservative estimates at every single point. And then at the high end, still using incredibly uh, conservative estimates, but simply um, lowering that denominator so that the spread was even smaller to the, that mere 174,000 people in all of Kansas have gotten this highly contagious disease that has been around from four months to five and a half months. Highly contagious disease, somehow it's only made it to 6% to of Kansans. Using that, we only got to 15 one hundredths of a percent mortality, 277 over 174. Yeah. So to me, that's that's the proof that I wanted to share. What I'll probably do is share it in slides and things like open up Kansas and the like, uh, right. because I don't. I mean, what, what's the argument then? Well, the argument is, well, but 
it's not it's not right that a contagious disease spreads. Look, we have more cases. And what I tell you, the difference is, and you can confirm, it's there's not a death spike. There's not a mortality spike. No. Since things open up a little bit, and then there's no mortality spike. There's just a case. And you you nailed it. I didn't. I, I kind of wanted to look. Well, geez, how much more have been tested? And the numbers would be there, but you really nailed why. Now, maybe the testing is available, but because more people are going to the hospital and they've made it mandatory, that's why there's been so much more. Well, and so it's, not, more it's, not, it's not even that. It's like my friend works for um, a major league baseball and they have to test twice a week. And so one of our players was actually came down, was positive and asymptomatic. And so he's going to be tested again, and that number is going to be used again, and then he's going to be tested again, and that number is going to be used again as long as he's positive. He could get four tests. Yeah. And that's, that's what's crazy, too, because it would be so easy to know whether it's a duplicate one. Right. And therefore, this only counts once. I mean, it should count twice, right? I mean, I guess. I mean, no, no, it should only count yeah, once, once. Toward, towards the confirmed cases once because right, that's the best you're, if that's the best you're going to use for confirmed, then yeah. and it, it's it's really I mean hyper stupid. We're talking about special ed levels of five year old to only use confirmed cases. Well, it's, it doesn't make any sense public policy wise, and no. yet we have someone here in our county saying, "I wear my mask for you." Oh like, yes, thank you. Thank I, I you said to so him, much. I said, I, I, what I want you to do to, oh, to protect me. I said, what I want you to do is protect my freedom and right. protect local businesses. And oh, by the way, I've got protecting me covered because thank I'm you. not going to get close to you if I see you. So right. I've got that part covered. And it's right. also funny that, and you'll, you'll hear, see to me, technocrats, technocrats are not looking at full picture they're not figuring in first of all their math sucks as i've already pointed out but second of all they're not figuring in all the risk this is my analogy earlier today was this okay what causes a lot of deaths in the united states every year mm, it has to do with that thing that we use to get around hmm. what <laughs> did you drive anywhere today uh no wow so <laughs> no i did not cars, i had to think about that but no i did yeah, not i actually I did didn't either to, i actually didn't either 100 percent remote baby well and I, <laughs> i'm always that way but i did drive to kansas city when i was coming back saturday night i thought to myself um like Cancer freedom. There, well, there was an accident over here, and then there was a lot of, you know, a lot of like a fire truck and all that kind of stuff. And I was, I was just thinking, you know, those people walked out the door today, knowing that they could possibly get injured doing whatever they decided to do, and it seemed as if the ambulance was there and they had been injured. And I'm sure that they did whatever they could. And another thing that I wanted to add is this heat was supposed to help with this. We're at 95 degrees here. It does help with it. I mean, it's a respiratory. And, and, we, and, we've and, covered this. We've right. covered this. And, and so <laughs> as we go to 95 degrees, why would we start putting masks back on people? Because, again, 
long-term decisions that now need to be justified and control that got exercised. And now those are, uh, who are, were able to, to exercise unfettered control, unprecedented control are like, wow, we can do that. We should try that again. My analogy though on the, on the vehicles was this, Hey, you know what? Saving, putting in roll cages and head restraints like NASCAR drivers have. So your head doesn't go way forward. If you have a crash, that's going to save lives. It, will it not save lives? It will save lives. Right. True. Bubble but, wrap would save lives. <laughs> but are we going to do it? No. No. Why? Why are we not going to do it? Because somebody is figuring in, including even federal regulators, the more full calculus of this. They're yeah. figuring the other economic costs of this, not just to you and me, but even of manufacturers. Right. You know, the inconvenience even for that, and that saves lives. So what are our technocrats not doing? They're, they're acting as though every possible slight improvement, even, even a hypothetical slight improvement, well, it probably does. In fact, we can see statistically it probably does, as though that's the only factor in this entire thing. Right. Uh, which wouldn't be so bad, except that they're also not considering actual mortality rate being low. Right. right. They're not, so, they're not even, they're, they're, they're looking at cases and they're still going off of data from months ago. And then there, we have a, we have evidently a doctor, a doctor that we're listening to, but all the other doctors who are saying things are being ignored. I don't, I don't understand. And so, you yeah. know, I, I wasn't, I was, and I don't do the conspiracy theory thing, but I have spoken with multiple people. That's okay. People. I do more than enough for you. <laughs> yes, you. Yes, you do. But November 4th, we're going to be done with this. It is now that political. And I'm ex I, I, am, I am disgusted with what both parties. This is not a Democrat thing. Yeah, because this is a you, Democrat can say Democrat, and Republican. you can say Democrat, but... What were the commissioners? I suppose two or three of them. I don't know. Or, well, the, I, I don't know. The, the, um, I believe I believe the one who voted against masks. I know. I believe was. I don't think they run on a political party, but I think he would be. I think he's a Republican. I don't know the other ones. I don't have a clue. All I know is that this has now become political. There are people struggling. There's power. It, it's, I have people, like, the, I call them the maskers and the anti-maskers. My maskers on, wrong. on um, Facebook. It's that simple. It's that simple. I mean. Are, 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 are proud now. Those other people have to start where it's like, it's like a game to them, which they don't realize that what they've given away. That's, I just, it just, I just don't See, know what he, to say about it. To, to, to me, here's the deal. It would be one thing, and this never works. I'm telling you, it's never works because no technocrat, the idea of technocrats is we're supposed to be separate and using our data. Well, first of all, you're never going to be separated from political power and political persuasion ever, right. ever, ever, A. But B, if you're only using partial data, and you're missing big picture, then you're worthless and you're even worse than a politician. So when we rely on a quote technocrat and want to heal the relationship with a technocrat, locally one commissioner uh, hung, uh, hung the uh, local technocrat doctor out to dry 
in a more recent meeting. And then in, because he didn't have information and acted like yeah. of the doctor acted like they're supposed to be able to act on something. And the commissioner's like, um, I don't have it. I don't have that information. So uh, I haven't got anything recently from you. And immediately afterwards, after it seemed like he was being kind of awesome for saying, Hey, technocrat, you can stick it where the sun doesn't shine. You can't assume that I'm just going to follow your orders as a commissioner. If you don't give me the information right after that, he felt bad and would, and would rather heal the relationship than actually get that information. But my point being this, if technocrats are only going to go with, this one-sided could risk be reduced, then there's nothing we can't do. And that's right now what they're doing. Could risk be reduced? Well, yes, of course it could. Every risk can always be reduced, but none have historically been attempted to be reduced as much as this, and none of them ever, and if it ever happens again, we're, we're, we're basically in China. I so, mean, it doesn't matter. it doesn't matter what the truth is, if the party says, and I, I just mean the, the leadership, if the party says this is a reality you must live your life by, it doesn't matter the reality in front of you. It matters what they say. And that's where we are right now. It's very sad to me. It's frustrating, but it's much more sad. I've already written my, uh, my notes on my my, my comments on my mask, which it looks like I'll have to be wearing. And one of them is this mask brought to you by a rock stupid governor. I think that's one of them. Mm -hmm. Got that written. <laughs> Another one says this mask is, no, I don't I think the same words. I didn't say that. I, I, I think I just said 1 million times more likely to stop freedom than viruses. That's yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> and then another one that's not, not coming to you off, off the top of my head. So, yeah, it, it's nuts. But, again, I just wanted to share who has done this analysis because my state leadership wasting all of my taxpayer money yeah. and, and now restricting my freedom is not giving me these numbers. Why? Well, and we Why? have – and we have other states, other governors saying that what our governor is doing is taking away our freedoms and they refuse to take away other people's freedoms and that they say, we're going to give you the data and we expect you to take care of yourself and help other people. And these are the options of what you can and can't do. And they're not saying anything to anybody. So how, how do you sit here in this state? And then you have another state that just goes, we're not going to say anything. It's up to you guys you guys are smart enough to do this on your own. Another thing is, is, is our county going to give all of the homeless people and all of the jobless people a life supply of masks? I want to know right, where the masks come from. Because you brought it up from. and somebody else did. The poor mask, like the one that I got and I'll be wearing only symbolically, if I spend any money in this county in public – then the poor masks are really supposed to be used for not much more than 20 minutes to an hour at yeah. a time. And, so and the you ones, have to go through them. Yes. And then honestly, you can wear the fabrics all you want, but they're still not doing it. Nope, 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 nope. You have to still wash and change them out. You cannot yeah. keep wearing, you can't wear well, a mask I mean, for eight hours you, a day. You got to switch it out and then you have to go wash them and they have to stay sanitary. So you right. can't just wash them with a bunch of stuff. Otherwise, you can catch it. You've got, it, it can catch on you when it would have maybe flown past your face. Then right. guess what's stuck on your mask waiting to get, in, uh, waiting to get inhaled? 
Um, but yeah, it's a good point. Cost of masks. So, I mean, so I, that's so whoever writes the, the Shawnee County needs to ask if we can send the invoices to them for the boxes of masks that we have to buy. What I'd like to understand, and maybe we need to look into this. I have a law background that I don't use, but uh, you, it makes sense when you know how crazy detailed I can get that I've at least gone through that law school training. Oh, they have no clue. Well. <laughs> They have. I mean, they think they know. They do not know. Who? who oh, <laughs> your, your fans are like your fans are like. Oh no, we know. And I'm telling them. Oh no, you do not know. <laughs> so, yeah, I've talked to him for uh, several hours a week for the last eight, nine, ten months, and you don't even even though you think you know, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. But what I what I'd like to understand, and I'll probably just look it up in articles. It'd be very good to understand. We need to talk about it on the air and, and things like, I'm sure that all states have something like ours where it's, there's a Facebook group called something like open up Kansas, open up Minnesota, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And I would like to understand truly the legal strategies that are available because that may be the last thing that saves us before it becomes so status quo. What happens with so much constitutional law is it can kind of just get thrown by the wayside once it becomes status quo enough to break it. And, and, and so that's what I'm afraid what would happen here. But at least it would be interesting to look into right now what is the best scenario to get these leaders to understand. I always say leaders in quotes in this situation because they're not leading. They're dictating, and they're, which wouldn't be so bad, but in an uninformed and overreactionary way. So it would be interesting to me to see what the legal ramifications and, and, and uh, remedies are the best yeah. ones and to maybe right. weigh those out. And then the other thing too, is I see a lot of people in open up Kansas, which I've just, just, I've just, uh, just joined, but you know, some people are like, well, they can't jail all of us. And right. the problem is though, right. They're not going to jail you. They're uh -huh. going to say, well, we're finding you. So there's a, if we truly had non-compliance say I am being safe. I mean, it has to be, my, my sister's into this sovereign citizen videos, which I think they're probably right, honestly, but it doesn't matter because if the, if the system doesn't go by your little, well, historically, that was meant for maritime law and the Constitution is about maritime law and I'm supposed to have a jury by, by uh, or a trial by jury, not by judge. Uh, you may be correct, but that's not how they're running it anymore. So it may not matter. But it'd be interesting to see um, what if, what if you just didn't wear a mask? You know, I mean, do we do we do we appeal to the sheriff now? I mean, you know, that'd be interesting. What are the good, good strategies to stop this dead in its tracks? What what do you do? Yeah. Well, uh, there's a, one of them in the group said they went into Hobby Lobby, and they were told if they didn't put on a mask or leave, that they were going to call the police. Not in wow. our Hobby Lobby. It wasn't in Topeka because we don't have that yet, but. They, they they did say that, and they were like, the police are not going to come to Hobby Lobby for um, for you not wearing a mask, and they can't keep you there, so then you have to leave. And I was like, here's, here's my thing, and I'm very, very stubborn, is the only place I go to in Topeka is my grocery store, and I will go on Wednesday to the grocery store, and if I have to wear a mask, 
I'll wear the mask in the grocery store. I will wear it incorrectly because I'm not able to wear a mask. I cannot breathe in a mask. And I could just have an asthma attack and then sue them and then just have a lot of money afterwards because that's what would happen if I was forced to wear a mask. Studio equipment. I know. We can can get some new studio stuff. But anyway. I mean, you know, after you survive, I don't mean to sound. Exactly. That that is the only place I will be going to in Topeka. Now, I know that you can go to a restaurant because as soon as you sit down, you can take your masks off because you're eating. Which is further insanity. I Um, I understand why they're saying it. And here's the deal. One more point. I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish finish your point. I was going to say, so that I, uh, that is the only place, any other place in Topeka, I will not be going into. And someone, someone said, you know, we're supposed to be supporting business. I can't support business when I cannot comfortably go into that business. And I was reading on some of the ADA stuff and there, and looking at it. And one of the things said that if you are putting other people at danger, that they can have you not come in, but that you would have to have all of your stuff delivered or curbside. And I will not do that. I didn't do that before COVID. I did not have a delivery service. I did not order anything online and have go pick it up. I want to go into the store and I want to shop for my stuff. And so if that is not my right, and that is not what I get to do, then I will not be spending any money except to get my food. And if they make me wear a mask, if I say I've got a medical condition and I can't, I'll social distance. It's a huge building and we go in the morning. Um, I'll still wear a mask. My daughter wears a mask. She insists that I wear a mask. She thinks I'm going to die alone in the hospital. Um, So that's the only thing that I will do because I need food, but anything else I will not go. I will not do. I'm just not going. I will go out to eat if I can take the mask off. I don't have a problem sitting at, you know, like wearing a mask in and then sitting down and taking it off. I don't have a problem with that. But if they think I'm going to keep my mask on while I'm sitting at the table and then I have to, no, not going to happen. And if that's what they expect of me, then I'm going to have to leave because I can't wear a mask. Like I can't physically wear a mask. I haven't put one on yet. <laughs> I know people, people in some of the, uh, you know, Soviet uh, socialist states around the United States are probably like, man, you guys are spoiled. But I, I, I haven't yet. But see, um, the thing is, is that we're not spoiled because this is what we get as being an American and living in the United States. That's our freedoms and our rights that are shoved down our throats all the time while we celebrate all these holidays, while we, we praise this and we have all this. That's why we're Americans. People come here because you get to be free. And for the last five months, that has been crap. And I don't choose to live in those other countries who think that we're being spoiled, but we have a constitution that tells us what we can and can't do. And people are actually telling us we can't do that. And if that's fine, if you want to go back and change the constitution, then you need to do that. But right now, mm -mm, not. So the other thing too, that I I probably should have mentioned earlier, I mentioned the County commissioners, what they're going to be thinking with their just, insane, non-informed, well, we've got to do this because we've got to do this. After all, everybody's doing it, got to do it. I mean, we've got to, got to seem responsible. No, you do that with your family. You leave me alone. You don't know me. But regardless, 
what they're going to say is, well, we're not ruining the economy because, I mean, this is a universal thing. So answers to that. We discussed it off air. It's not universal. Um, A, because some places don't have the ability to social distance or a small place, which means people are less likely to go in there because they're not sure if they've got social distancing. Two, worse, you are still hurting the economy massively. Why are you doing that? Because you're feeding the perception by not looking at the numbers I looked at that this is much more deadly than it is. And in fact, rather than easing up, you're putting more controls on it when it was about to go away. And we've had three to four months of, you know, year over year, massive losses from 100% in the early months when it was closed down to probably at least 25, 30% on average, even now, if you take away the big box stores. Any other time, a 25% drop from previous year is really, really catastrophic. But more importantly, what you're doing is feeding this perception that is going to keep people from going out and about the way they normally have. Yep. And because now you're saying, well, you've got to wear a mask. Now, how many simpletons, not only simpletons, but let's just say average citizens, not brilliant people like you and me. So how many of those people are going to say, well, I, I'm not going to go out. It's, it's scary out there. I mean, you still see people every day driving in their car alone with masks on. So don't tell me there aren't people who are not, not only, only as scared as what the leaders tell them to be, but misinterpreting that and being beyond even f- further scared than that. So to me, what you're doing with this, oh, no, no, it's still very bad. Otherwise, why would, you t- why would we tell you you have to wear masks now? is still very bad, is you're extending that economic misery. Now, you can say, well, but it's universal. Well, it's not really. But regardless, your decision-making is extending that lack of an economic recovery. And that idea that you and I said a month ago, two months ago, of the idea that, yes, businesses are going to try, just like when you first get that business loan. You're going to try for two years no matter what, three years, whatever. 99% 99% of business owners get, get the first business loan and, and they open. They're going to try for two to three years, no matter how bad it is. It's got to be right. pretty bad. Same idea here, except now you've gone from three and a half months, a little bit short of that because we opened up a little, to now you're extending, but it still never got to full traffic. No. Now and- you're extending that for how long? When are they going to end this? Because right. if they've set with their stupid decision making, how are we going to turn it around? Because if, if these commissioners and around the state, around the country, because more people are being tested, more cases are, this has happened in a lot of places. There are that many more people who are invested in their political decisions. And to your point, until November 4th, they don't want to say they're wrong. So are we going to extend this three, four months of this downturn of 20 to 30% or more? Because if so, all kinds of business are going out. And you, they can say it's universal, though. We're not treating different businesses differently. Well, yes, you are, yeah, you actually. Are. You are. You um, are. Be, because of lo- space location. But let's just go with your argument. Yes, but let's say you're not, Commissioner. You are, but let's say you're not. But you're still massively turning down the economy of ev- everybody. And even the big, big chain. They're, they're probably down a little bit. I don't know that the fact they're getting such a higher percentage of the total business makes up for it. I'm sure, I'm sure Bezos of Amazon is going to be even billions richer. 
like basically if he had stock on his on his wealth on on his total um, uh, total worth then that stock went up a lot the day after all these people started saying probably gonna have to wear masks now I mean yeah. he's gonna be worth so many more billions yeah. Right. So, but you know, cause you know, the commissioner is going to say, well, no, it's the fair thing to do because I'm applying this rule consistently. Well, it so, just means you're consistently ruining the economy for further months. That's what it means. Well, and they keep saying, okay, you can open up 25%, 35%, 40%, but you know what they're making them do is hire more employees that they can't afford, that they couldn't afford at 100%, but now they have to hire more employees to keep everything clean. There is no business that sets up and says, you know what, if we make 25% of our business, we're gonna be rocking it. And then 50%, heck, we're crazy. Yeah. You know, like that's not the way it works. In order for you to, to, to open up for 25%, you still have to have the full staff. That you're bring that you're bringing back. You, you're not making the same money. Your rent's the same. Your electricity's the same. Your food costs go down, but all the food costs have gone astronomically high right now. I so, guess the only thing good will be gas will go down again, maybe. But maybe it's it, it to me. It's just stupid. But anyway, I think yeah. That's so enough. I mean, so what I'm probably gonna do is we'll wrap this up, and I'll consider considering we went long. Oh, amazing. What? <laughs> I know this never um, happens um, is that I'll decide whether or not I'm going to throw in the state numbers It's quite possible. I'll just do that as a separate excursion. That can also be, if you want it to be simulcast, I can just throw it as an, as a hey, Tyson's got his own excursion. That's the follow-up to this excursion. That's if right. not, you don't, you don't need to put over on Chemology, but yeah. and it's, it's been fun. Our very first simulcast. Ish. Yes, Ish. yes. And we're not live or anything, so it's just kind of the same. No. One day, one day, we're gonna have our own show in our own little studio, and people. Did you see all those books back there behind me? I, I see your books. You, you see my, won't. you see my books right there, right? There's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. The office is looking pretty good. Oh, I know, man. It's awesome. Yeah, so if you don't yep. know if you guys uh, just have only listened to the few, because I'm still only on 12 episodes, this will be 13 over on uh, Tyson, then uh, Kim and I have quite the rapport over there and are up at about, what, maybe 55 things now? Almost like almost 50. 60. It's almost 60 because we're going on, epi we're going to tape episode 41 tonight adventure. I mean, this week for adventure. Then we have our excursions and I do another superstar segment um, on Wednesday. So yeah, so why don't you uh, mention that real quick, just uh, since we're going to put it up over on, on yeah. Scales of Truth. What's what's uh, this week's? I know you told me. So this week we're going to talk about artificial intelligence as customer service. Oh, that sounds that sounds almost um, as bad as the artificially no, as the truly unintelligent commissioners. <laughs> it's going to be kind of like that. I was going to say I don't know what's I don't even know what's. Never mind. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna say it's nice, but anyway. So yeah, you'll be able to find out that we have. We're gonna do episode 41. So we have 40 different episodes over on Chemology 411. You Every can find single us. week, baby, for 41 weeks now. And you've got your superstars. You got some superstars. I got my superstars. Yep, I got some new ones coming up. Um, but we're on Anchor.fm, or you can find um, me on. Um, 
let's see your Apple Podcast and Breaker. There's I like think nine we both different make, ones. I think we both make Spotify. Spotify. I think Spotify yeah. as well. I think I but subscribe anyway, to both of us. Chemology 411. Look for it. Like it. Start with episode zero and then go through. We have a lot of different things. We talk about anything and everything. And we're really trying to steer away from this virus crap. And that's why we do excursions. Yeah, I really want to stop, stop doing that. Um, um, I actually went this weekend without Facebook on my profile. I went to my groups and I like, but I would post a couple things, but I stayed off of it. And then um, today I went and unfollowed most people and I plan on um, unfollowing more people. Um, just for the fact I'm so that, sorry. Go ahead. that that um, I'm going to use my Facebook for my groups and my job and my pages. And as for everybody else over here being mean and all that stuff, I don't have time for that. So, hey, BT dubs, I'm going to do a little self-promotion here because there's something I've told you recently. Now, I know that I'm not perfect. Just waiting, <laughs> waiting, I, for, that, waiting I, for that reaction. I, however, I also know. I also know you're not perfect. <laughs> however, however, I'm not going to be super detailed, but let me say I've had a highly exceptional, highly exceptional save for um, for the um, my regular full time employment. Highly exceptional, and I think that you guys can tell that uh, I am at least detailed and passionate when I want to be detailed, as in not when I'm folding laundry. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and I am looking for new employment. Not that I'm not happy. I'm, right. I, I've, done, I've done a lot of good where I am. However, should you be interested, <laughs> you can always just say, hey, Kim, why don't you give me that information for this Tyson <laughs> fella? Yeah, Since, uh, exactly. So I am looking... I well, don't know why I brought that up, but it is true. I think I just heard you say something about work and being a, yeah, just your work in general. But yes, um, so the scales of truth uh, over, I guess I'll do that as a flip. Yes. Also that's what I was on say. Spotify and mine is, is it Audio Boom? No, I forget. <laughs> I think it's Audio Boom, but you can find it on Spotify. And I think maybe it goes to Apple. But if you Google it, it's not coming up as quickly as Chemology. But if you do the scales of truth and Tyson Harley, you should see it or at least look a little bit and you'll find it. <laughs> if you find it, you can definitely find it on Spotify. There's only been 12 episodes so far. But if you go to Chemology, then, um, you know, you get more of that background and the rapport and a little bit more backstory as opposed to I am data from Star Trek. Uh, you know, like the scales of truth tends to be. That's not right. true. I'm pretty funny over there. I'm pretty funny sometimes. <laughs> so um, I'll probably put up the, what I want to do is like, uh, like I said, next is see how well this same analysis that I've shown you again in the range of super duper, 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 duper underestimating, or if you want to say conservatively estimating that denominator in the mortality rate formula, I uh, even really underestimating that, that, that uh, small number. Remember then if that denominator gets higher and it could be way, 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 way higher, then the mortality goes down even further. So right. even really conservatively estimating, we have, I have this at 0.159% mortality at the high end and then 0.1124% uh, 
mortality at the low end, which is exactly in line with seasonal flu. So what I'll probably do is see how applicable this is to other states and just do that as a separate deal. So I think that's all I got. I appreciate you doing this so quickly because we decided no to do a Zoom, decided to do a Zoom instead of in studio. It well, works for well. This excur- for the excursion we are, we are. Yeah, yeah, just for the excursion as opposed to the regular setup. So if you got nothing, I've got nothing, and I appreciate you being my sounding board. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in and – um, I know that what, um, make sure you go to Facebook and find our, I have a group. I don't know if you have a page or a group. I only have a page, page. and I'm not, I mean, sometimes I put some pretty good factual stuff and other times I let it go for a while. I mean, a lot of, a lot of, uh, podcast people may not be big on their, their Facebook, uh, you know, presence. So I'm fine with that. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, so Kimology. find us both. Kimology 411. I have a group that way you can actually comment and help us find topics for our podcast. So anyway, everybody, uh, as I always like to end my podcast, you guys need to keep taking all of your adventures and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. And stay safe, everybody. Yes. Stay safe.